interestingly, being a star or being a high performer or super high performer, I think can actually be a bad thing. Welcome to the Self-Leadership Experiment, where we take an evidence-based perspective on all things organizational behavior. My name is Scott Dust. I'm a management professor, as well as a team member for an HR tech company. I'll be talking with my co-host, Louis DiCarlo, and we'll break down what's real and what's not, and what works and what doesn't work. Thanks for joining the conversation. So next topic is about star performers, or as I like to say, when being a star sucks. Because interestingly, being a star or being a high performer or super high performer, I think can actually be a bad thing. So there's research out there that is illustrating that really 5% of the workforce are what would be called star performers. They're producing as much as 95% of the overall value. And these are the real all-stars, right? These aren't just, you know, they're getting the four out of five performance ratings. These are off the charts, exceptional performers that are driving innovation, driving creativity and, and the highest quality outputs. And so I think there's some really interesting human capital implications to this. Number one, if they're really producing that much value, we should be spending more time trying to make sure they stay and trying to make sure we get as much out of them as we can, yet keeping them happy. Because I feel like one of two things happens. Number one, there's um, the, the, the concept of, hey, they're doing well, so give them more responsibility. And they might get promoted into a position that actually makes them less of a contributor. And in that situation, hey, for example, they're the best sales performer. And so now we're going to make them the sales manager. But now they're no longer selling. They're actually managing, which is a much different responsibility. And then the other thing is that we give them more work and we, and we ask them to do the things that we know other people might not do as well and aren't capable of, which is also a bad idea because if anything, they're just going to get burned out or they're going to look for things that they can or be in environments where they can contribute in ways that they can still have a life. And so I feel like we're really kind of screwing ourselves when it comes to star performers and it also kind of stinks to be the high performer because organizations don't know how to handle it. What do you think? Um, I've seen this. I've seen this in a different, in a number of different ways, like in my experience in, in the various industries, right? And a few questions while you were speaking, I'm asking out loud. Are what I've seen companies do is they'll take the top five percent, and usually those people will find their ways into titles and compensation sure what i wonder though is how often do companies get that right how often are the actual top five percenters with the top titles and with the, the highest compensation right um and then i ask like i feel like a lot of times i've seen where companies they don't really want to be direct and transparent as to who the top 5% are. They'll leave you guessing to a certain extent, yeah. but it's hard to say, to, to, to box groups of working people into, well, I know you guys are my top 5% and, and so we're gonna do what we can to take care of you. Yeah. You middle 50%, you know, the middle 50%, we love you, but we, we want you to get to the top 5%. And then anyone below that, it's like, like we're either got to coach you up or coach you out, right? Yeah. Um, now, I, mean, I don't know what theory says about this, but it's yeah. it's not. I would say it's not always managed um, 
that well uh, in, in practice. It's not like, well, I guess there's two different things that theory would add to it. And I, I love those comments about some of the implications. I think number one, you're right. We're not very good about really knowing who's at what percentile of their performance. I mean, for the most part, it's messy. It's subjective. We try to make it objective in some, in some ways, but biases are inevitable in everything that we do, whether that's uh, demographic-based biases or recency theory or, or recency bias or whatever it is, right? So we have to recognize that when we do these evaluations, we're probably going to be biased and we have to come up with more structured ways to do it. That, that's probably number one. And then also, you're right, we're not good at communicating it because it's a little awkward to almost say, hey, you're not you know, the star performer, you're not in the 5%, so that's why we're not giving you this opportunity or something like that. And I think that the, the, the research would illustrate most people, the, most people think they're above average performers. And that by definition is almost impossible, right? right? On average, everybody should kind of fall in the middle or fall in that 50th percentile. And so this was what happens a lot in performance reviews and evaluations. And it, theoretically, everybody on average across the score should be you know, a three out of five. But where do most people fall? And almost everybody gets like a four out of five, just because it makes them feel better. And that's not necessarily a good thing. That's not really helping anybody. No, I, I agree. And I think that kind of hones in on like the performance evaluation uh, perspective of the top 5% or, or not, right? But getting back to what you were speaking earlier about too, how often and often I've seen it, do we take a very strong technical performer and then ask him to manage a technical team, which are two very different skill sets. Yeah. So you've just taken your best technical uh, performer and you're saying, hey, I want you to take on a new role. Yeah. You see this as a promotion. We see this as growth for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and quite often, not always, but quite often that ends up being um, detrimental to the team because yeah. not all, not everybody with technical skills has very good management skills right and, sure. and, and vice versa so yeah uh yeah i think it's really up to both parties right so the individual he or she being that high performer needs to be so in tune with what really is your intrinsic motivator um is it the work itself or is it is it growth is it trying new challenges right maybe if it's one of the latter then you know maybe it makes sense for 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 that individual to give it a go or to try it out um, knowing that might not be the final destination and then it also would behoove the manager you know, he or she that is managing this star performer to really be careful and not actually promote them into a position and think that it's going to solve all the problems um because really we want people to stay. I mean, I think the biggest challenge is turnover. That's going to be more costly than anything else. Um, putting them in the wrong position might actually backfire because then you're just wasting resources and they might actually say, well, I just want to go back to doing what I'm doing, but that position's not there anymore. I hear you, man. Um... Not easy. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think it's actually called the Peter principle when it, and I think that came in sales and that's probably the most popular, but you're right on in that it's also technical positions. And then we kind of turn these technical people into different roles. And I've also seen it where during mid-career is when people want to try it. And then 
they hit late career and they say, you know what? I am done with this. I'm done with managing. I'm done with politics. I just want to go back to being a contributor. And so you do kind of see this cycle where it's like, okay, I've made it. I've been there, done that. And now I just want to go back and do my thing. And that's, that's another reminder, right? That like the career path trajectory is going to depend upon the person. And so I think it gets to that employee manager discussion of what does he or she want at this point of their career? Have that open dialogue and make sure that you know you're both on the same page of being realistic. Absolutely, agree with you 100%. Awesome. All right, that's it for this one. Um, thanks for joining. If you want more resources on bridging the gap between science and practice for all things organizational behavior, go to scottdust.com. From there, you can subscribe to the monthly newsletter. Uh, you can also find more evidence-based insight through social media, YouTube's, and podcasts. Thanks. <laughs>